will avenge Howard and Daryl with this GN flag! He's hailing me. So it's you. What's this? You're that boy. It seems that our destinies have been connected all along. Indeed, we were destined to fight each other. I finally understand. It was your display of overwhelming power that stole my heart. That feeling I had could only be called love. Love? But if you go beyond love, it becomes hatred. Just as people turn on each other when they take religious faith too far. If you know so much about it, then why do you still fight? You're asking a soldier why he fights? Don't be ridiculous! You've become twisted! You made me this way! This is because the Gundams exist! Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that's given Double O a try. My name is Jeremy. I've realized the true nature of humanity, and that's, you know, to have sweet robot fights in space, and it's never-ending. Anyway, I'm Tyler. Hi. I'm an afterthought. My name is Zach. We are watching episode 25 of Gundam Double O today. The last Setsuna. one. Sort of. The last one of series one. Yeah, episode one, series one, final one. Do we want to talk about the weird division? Because I feel like it it's weird. I think it mostly hurts Gundam Double O that they had to have this sudden climax here, but it really also got it to get its shit together. <laughs> it does kind of mean like the last four or five episodes really feel like they accelerate in a weird fashion. Like this episode really kind of has a feeling midway through of it. Uh, oh yeah, we need to resolve this one character... Hmm. And so we're going to shoehorn him in here rather than giving him the more space to breathe as a conflict for this first half. See, I actually really like that part. I feel like it's the other guy, the guy who they're dealing with in the first half that seals really sudden. I feel like if they didn't need this huge climax, and I was going to talk about this about the end, but I launched into it now, so here we are. Alejandro Corner would not be in a giant golden Gundam fighting them. He would just get killed by ribbons shot in the back. And be told, you're no longer necessary. No, see, like, that makes more sense. The problem is they spend so much time here that it makes Graham, when he does show up about midway through this episode, and is immediately dealt with within, like, five minutes instead of the more, like, episode-long, knockdown, drag-out, slobber-knocker of a fight that I was expecting him to get. Do you think Graham actually dies here? Do you want me to answer that? Because Actually, I will answer that question. No, he doesn't. Okay. We know he doesn't. You don't necessarily know he doesn't yet, but we know he doesn't. Uh, uh, we, no, he's literally in the ending of this episode. Yeah, but he's not super recognizable. Okay, I guess I recognized him because I already knew yeah. that. Yeah, but, I did not recognize him as a character at the end of this episode. Okay, yeah, no, he's not dead. I recognize Ali Al Sanchez enjoying a nice drink. <laughs> I actually really like how 
quick of a burnout fight the Setsuna and Graham thing is in this, but we'll get to that later. Really, it's all the corner stuff that I feel like is really jammed in and the huge climax here. That said, it works fairly well as a climax. We'll save this for the end, but I want to talk about what we'd think of this series if this was actually the final episode, because I think that's an interesting talking point. It's not super fair to this because it was never intended to be. By this point, they knew they were going to have a new episode next week, but I think it's worth talking about. Uh, So do we want to just dive right into it? Let's. Sure. All right. We are watching episode 25, Setsuna. You can watch along on Crunchyroll or Hulu if you like. And we start out right where we ended last week of Setsuna trying to destroy the Alvator, Alejandro Corner's giant golden mobile armor. And with Alejandro Corner uh, basically tearing the GN arms apart that Setsuna's in. It's not, this isn't actually the GN arms, this is the assault container. The oh, GN yeah. arms is inside it, along with Setsuna. So Setsuna and Lassie both eject from this uh, assault container as Corner rips it in half. Yep. Lassie is in the GN arms and Setsuna is, of course, in the Exia being like, I'm a kill you. That's my whole deal. And then he rushes in like but, a Leroy Jenkins. But the Alvator has guns like the Big Zam all over it. And Lassie's like, hey, blow up the remains of the container. Maybe we can get rid of his arms at least. And Setsuna's like, good plan. So they do that and it doesn't work. Was a good plan, though. I mean, it's a decent plan. Use what you have. But as we already know... Gold is impervious to damage. Usually only lasers, based on my experience with one gold Gundam. (laughs) Well, they shot lasers that caused an explosion. That's still lasers. It's still laser-type damage. (laughs) And Alejandro Corner is like, lol, you think you can win? I'm great. And then we get this opening for the final time. Which is probably okay, this wasn't the best song. Don't worry, they get slowly worse. They never get bad, they just get slowly worse. (laughs) Huh, is that better or worse, you think, than them getting kind of all over the place? So, like, you have one really good one, one mediocre one, one good one, one bad one? I actually really like Daybreak Spell, which is the first one, so. But this is definitely a downgrade, and I just really don't like the style of opening Double O has, which we'll talk more about, I think, with the third one. I think that's where you see enough of them, you can see a trend. I think my problem with Double O's opening, especially the second one, is that it's very generic anime opening. It's at the very least very generic Gundam opening. For sure. I mean, it kind of is, but at the same time, I'm kind of okay with it not being the same as uh, Destiny's openings where everybody was getting naked. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> I was just watching, watching that scene and it like cuts to the uh, bridge crew shortly and Sumerog is looking sad and the only thing I can think is, why is the rum gone? <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a sixth bridge member. What happened to them? They poured out the alcohol. Oh, so justifiable homicide then. Uh, speaking of justifiable homicide, <laughs> <laughs> we cut to the Ptolemaeus, which you may have remember exploded last week. And, and it, it is smoking. Felt Sumeragi and Ian have escaped on the other assault carrier and Felt is on her laptop trying to figure out where everybody is. And she's like, the Nodley is fucked and Tiaria won't respond to me. Kyrios has sustained serious damage. It's down two limbs and he's fighting two enemy mobile suits, and worse, they're named character mobile suits. I like the effect on Felt, because, like, as she is saying this, you can see the water droplets from her crying from last episode are still floating around in her helmet. But Felt's a professional, goddammit. So speaking of named characters, Soma and Sergei are searching for the Kyrios, which is hiding behind an asteroid all beat up. And missing its left side. Or no, sorry, that's its right side. It's missing its right side. 
And Hallelujah's like, damn it, I screwed up. And Hallelujah's like, let me take this, Hallelujah. And he's like, no, you're useless in these life or death situations, Hallelujah. And so they're they're arguing with each other in the in like the glass of the cockpit. It's a cool effect, even if reflections don't work like that. <laughs> no, I I get the feeling more a matter of it's not so much a reflection as it is a hallucination. Yeah, I was gonna say Hallelujah's schizophrenia works that like that. <laughs> I mean, it's also kind of n- not so much that reflections work that way, more of giving the viewer a visual representation of the conversation. Because let's be honest, in this particular thing, he'd probably just be talking to himself. I really want to say it as like him just flipping his hair back and forth as he's talking. <laughs> Doing the Homer a hair flip yep. each way. But Hallelujah's like, no, I want to live too. I need to find out the world's answer to what we've done. Before I was all like, punish me, world senpai. But now I, I, I want to know. I don't know what the meaning of our struggle was. Setson is rubbing off on me and I want to find out. I am also getting the shonen vibes. And so Hallelujah's like, yep, works for me. Time for us to kick some ass. So he takes his helmet off and does the dumbest, coolest shit that's happened in Gundam 00 so far. <laughs> Slicks his hair back to expose both of his eyes. And it does reinforce the fact that his eyes are two different colors. And now he has become Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> the super soldier. And he just like comes from around the rock. I kind of love how he's talking to himself through this. But it's clearly in Hallelujah and Hallelujah's voices. Yeah, both the Japanese and English voice actors do a pretty good job with this. And it's also all sort of battle babble sort of talk. I've set a course. I'll take this. You get the legs. We'll attack at the same time. I'll set the course sort of stuff. And they are effortlessly dodging all the laser fire coming at them. And they do a kick right into Soma. And when Sergei goes to try and protect her, he uses the scissor shield to just take an arm right off. The extendo scissor shield. I don't think we've seen him do that yet. Yeah, just takes the arm off. And Soma's like, you hurt my father. How dare you hurt my dad? But he's doing some cool ass mid transformation things that Graham Aker would be proud of. And uh, they are surprised that he's able to do any of this because he's literally flying half a mobile suit. Yep, it's very cool. Is Hallelujah secretly the best pilot in the Meisters? I don't think it's a secret. Okay. <laughs> I think this is because they're working together, right? Which they'll talk about later. But he's effectively two minds in one body, and he has super soldier reflexes because he was yeah, the super soldier and, that was experimented on. And that's one thing that they meant that he tells Soma later of why I'm beating you. We cut over to the Exia, which is losing its shield, as it is wont to do. The GN Arms takes a few shots, but. Again, the Alvator has a giant GN field and it's made of gold, so it's fine. And has funnels. Uh, I, Fangs, excuse me, thank, thank you. Which Setson is like, ah, oh, this is the bullshit that the throne had. How long do you think has this thing been in development? The Alvator? Yes. It might be a very long time, right? I and, mean, it's got to have gotten the engines from somewhere. Well, he made all the engines, right? I always thought it was Laguna made the engines. Yeah, but I assume he gave Laguna the designs and a bunch of the funding for it. I, I don't think he was like hammering in the back room making them. That's not <laughs> what I meant. So Lasse is like, Setsuna, get high. And so Setsuna is like, I, I do not like the way the Exia looks with the GN arms on it. I think the design is okay, but the color scheme is too similar. Yeah, too blue and white. I'm not a big fan of it, mostly because you take the Exia, which is supposed to... Like, it's it's the smallest, most nimble one, and it's all, like, dancing around and doing all that fun stuff. And you just 
pack it into one of these things and it just looks weird. Yeah, toss the Dynamis on one of these and I think it looks pretty well, good. And the but... reason why I think the Dynamis worked out so well is because it had the poncho. So it kind of It's hid... already bulky. Yeah, it, it had the very bulky look to it to begin with. I do like it from a tactical standpoint of this is almost the reverse of the virtue, right? Of if we need the Exia to do some heavy bombardment, we can strap this on it, which is not its normal role, but it expands its combat capability. But Alejandro is like, oh yeah, so what? I have fangs or fangu, as Tyler <laughs> likes to say. <laughs> but with the GN arms, the Exia can also generate a GN field and sets in a steel's lock on catchphrase, catchphrase, which is enough to destroy the fangs. <laughs> Well, apparently, one of the things that this hasn't implied before, or didn't make clear before is that all of these are voice activated and they have their own specific, like, catch, like, keywords. Like, targeting and firing activates the cheat code for accuracy. Ah. Fangs fly is what triggers the fang the cheat code. So the Alvator has a goddamn Hydra head, I guess. Yes, that shoots his giant orange death beam. Which Setsuna still manages to dodge, even in the GN arms. Does Setsuna still win this fight if the Alvator has a competent pilot? Later, Alejandro Corner is going to be like, oh, I'm impressed that the Exia can do so well, even with a novice pilot. And I want to be like, motherfucker, he's been in the military since he was six, at least. You've been drinking wine. <laughs> well, I mean, he might have been in the military, but he's probably only been driving Exia for... Six like, more, for, two years at most. I think that's two years more combat experience in a mobile suit than this guy has. Okay, yes, that's fair. So Lasse's like, okay, Setsuna, let's go in. We have mostly melee weapons after all. So the GN Arms sort of has a leg bit that grabs the Alvator's claw, and then the big sword on the GN Arms just cuts right through it, to which Corner's like, well, I thought my armor was good against swords. Uh, then they blast with the giant GN uh, arm cannons, the other arm. And Lost is like, one more pass. They Well, they take a hit from the Alvator, which causes Lasse to start bleeding uh, from a head blood. <laughs> you have the anime injury. Uh, they take another hit on the final pass, and Lasse is like, remember what I said about why celestial beings exist, that's an oh no, I'm exploding. And then he explodes. And Lasse was never heard from again, which pisses Setsuna off. Setsuna is a lot more uh, expressive since his friends are keep dying. But then he slowly delivers a barrage of blades into the Alvator. Yeah, and I do love how they animate just all of these GNR bits sticking into the Alvator, eh? Because Setsuna kept stabbing into him. But then there's a big explosion and the Exia comes flying out of it. Or Shining Finger Sword. It's not even Shining Finger Sword. It's just, here's my broadsword. So Setsuna cuts a rad X into the Alvator. And Alejandro Corner is like, no, sword, my one weakness, apparently. <laughs> and Setsuna's like, yeah, I got a lot of those, motherfucker. <laughs> I am literally piloting a Gundam that is more sword than Gundam. And so Corner gives your standard villain, I can't believe a single Nani? guy is beating me. As he starts exploding. I can't believe the protagonist is beating me in the final episode. Cut back to Soma and Sergei trying to fight the Kyrios, but the Kyrios takes Sergei's other arm in just a flying tackle. I love the way the Kyrios is just wrecking face with this entire thing here. Yeah, the Even way though it's severely damaged, it's rad. Yeah. It goes behind an asteroid with Soma blows to hell, but it gets out of her line of sight in doing so. She has a new type flash just in time to stop it from beam sabering her in the head. I think the reason why I love this so much is because they made sure to stay consistent with the Curious's damage. 
So, like, they have a beam saber clash, and the Curios is just missing its right side. And someone's like, hey, I'm the perfect super soldier. Why is this happening? And Hallelujah's like, no, actually, you suck. You don't get it, woman. You're, You're not- just operating on reflex. Your quantum brainwaves are great, but your mind is too slow to keep up with your reaction speed. I have two minds. I took parallel minds as one of my sorting abilities. It's a good one. You're just an animal you just acting on instinct. You gotta be careful with them so that your parallel minds don't uh, get create corrupted. an army of clones and seek to take over the world. Soma's like, that's not true. That's impossible. And starts vulcaning him, but he's already out of the way. And he's like, that's why I can predict everything you'll do. You're- <laughs> As he's ninja standing on an asteroid. On just one, one leg. It's great. And he's like, the synthesis of mind and body is what creates a real super soldier. Also, I haven't transamped yet. This isn't even my final form. I do love the uh, particles just spraying out of the holes where the art or where the limbs should be on the curios. And Sergei's like, uh, this is bad. We should leave. But Soma is like, charge! I mean, it is keeping in character with what we've seen her do before. Yep. And to be fair, also, historically, this works for her pretty well. But not against Transam Super Alleluia, who takes one of her arms next. He's going through these two, disarming them. Yeah, as I say, anyway, she gets saviored. Oh, uh, she doesn't get full saviored. She's still got... Uh, it's a- only, she, he only took her, her left side. Yeah, you know, so they're opposite. And he's about to stab her through the cockpit with the jackhammer part of the scissor shield. But Sergei pushes her out of the way at the he last second. You get down, Mr. President, sir. And she's like, now, Pyrrhus, is your chance while well, he is distracted by fatherly love, the one thing an angsty teenager could not possibly imagine. <laughs> and so she just rips through the Kyrios, blowing off its other arm and uh, wounding Alleluia. Yeah. Sh- shooting out the Hallelujah eye, I think, right? Well, no, that's to- the Alleluia eye. That's the Hallelujah eye, I thought. Yeah, that's a hallelujah eye for sure. That gets all bloody after a computer explodes. Yeah, the gold one. Yeah, evil hallelujah. He should have kept his damn helmet on. <laughs> but then he couldn't have slicked his hair back. I know. Well, he could have done that and then put the helmet back on. So the cockpit is jammed as Soma gets out to like check on Sergei. And he's like, hey, never mind about me. You almost got it. Keep fighting. And she's like, I can't. You taught me how to human and I am one. And without you, I would be all alone. I, I can't let my dad die. And Sergei's like, like, damn, so this is what it's like to have a child. (laughs) Cut back to Alleluia, who's like, hey, wait, zoom and enhance on this fatherly, daughterly bonding moment. As the Curios is drifting through space. That's Marie slash Mari, depending on which language you're listening to. Why is that Marie slash Mari? Who is someone that he knew from before, right? Presumably, yeah. we, We have not encountered this person. No. Unless you count Soma. Yes. We don't know of any Mari or Mary. Cut back to Setsuna, who's like, hey, Lasse, please don't be dead. I'm tired of my friends being dead. Please don't be towards the I mean, Gian arms. To be fair, at this point, he only knows of one of his friends being dead. Yeah, and he's tired At of least it. recently. Because he probably doesn't know that Christina and, Le- and Lichty are dead. Yeah, do you think he considers them friends? I think Setsuna's friends are Lock-On and Lasse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think maybe he probably felt. counts Kyrios. I, uh, Al- I think he'd count Alleluia. I don't think he would. <laughs> no. When did they hang out? What yeah, have remember, they done together? Remember when Alleluia didn't go to the bowling trip? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Felt, you're probably right. Felt is probably one of them. But he's getting shot at, and he's like, well, I swear the Alvatore exploded. And then, just like the spider mech, it releases a Gundam that's been piloting it. Only this one is gaudy and made of gold. And by Gundam, I mean just a mobile suit. It's got a dumb head. And kind of dumb looking wings. I, I like how it throws away one of its beam rifles and pull out a beam saber. 
And this is the part where he's like, ah, your machine is impressive, even with a novice pilot. And again, motherfucker, he is so much more combat experience than you. And anyway, uh, <laughs> Setsu does like, I remember I was thinking like the world's twisted and stuff. I can blame that all on you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's nice to have a blame figure. Yeah, I feel like this is, again, the climax having a weakness. I feel like this is less supposed to be Setsuna being immature, which is what it comes off of, and more supposed to be telling us, the audience, that it's all his fault, and defeating him would be a major victory, because it shouldn't be and isn't. But we don't see that besides him taking over Veda Veda. and shooting Shenberg. Yeah. But that's not... I don't I don't really know the consequences of that, other than now they have Trans Amp. Yeah, this is why I think that this was not originally in the story pitch. This was just, we have to have a climax now because it's halfway through. So I guess we take this guy. I am certain that in the original plan, Ribbons would have just killed him and that would have been an escalation. So Corner's like, this is all according to plan. My plan. The only difference is that this is my plan and I am the great one. Me, a living person and not a dead person like you're about to be. Again, I think the biggest problem is we don't really find out Corner's motivation other than his family hates Shehenberg, but we don't find out why or why Corner cares or what he wants. Yeah, what does he actually stand to gain here? Well, and to be fair, that's not a straight up ask him, what do you stand to gain from all this? And he's like, I will rule the world and guide how it is reborn because I'm in the UN. That doesn't answer the question. I want to remake the world in my image. Well, he's overly gaudy and gold-plated. He is a James Bond villain, so this all tracks yeah, in that way. He will become the uh, foundational cornerstone of the new civilization. So Setsuna is like, wait, you want to rule the world? And Corner responds with, no, nah, I'll just guide it properly. Anyway, take this giant death beam I'm still capable of in this form. I do like his uh, attack phrase, die and become dust. (laughs) Yeah, well, you won't control this world because you'll be dead. And as I established, dead people don't do anything. So he uses hyper beam on Setsuna and we don't get an eye catch about it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the last episode of the first season of Gundam 00. That seemed like a lot of qualifiers, but I think it's a regular number of them. Anywho. I don't know that I have a lot to say because, you know, it's the end of the episode and we're going to like spend a fair amount of time just like, you know, reflecting on it. So also let us know what you think, either by joining our Discord or sending us an email at Gundam at LastTimeOnVideoGames.com or because it's that time of year, let us know what you thought of the April Fool's episode because I thought it was hilarious. Okay, that's it. Bye. There's a lot of things that smoke in space around here. You know, just just a lot of air around here in this part of space. Uh, obviously, Setsuna uses the Trans Am to dodge this giant fuck-off laser beam. Yeah, I mean, for a second, it wants to try and present like, hey, Corner got him, and oh no, what happened? But we know Setsuna hasn't used Trans Am yet. And Alejandro has to recharge after using Hyperbeam. That's why he's gloating here, is he's actually got to recharge. Yep. Who is he gloating to? Like, dead Aelia Schoenberg, I guess? Maybe Again, he's got an open line to Ribbons. <laughs> I mean, maybe. No, because Ribbons will call him later. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe he's just recording this so that he can make, like, an evil monologue video out of it later. Uh, he's live streaming this. <laughs> oh, no, he's a VTuber. Anyway, Setsuna hates VTubers and is still alive and starts shooting him. I do kind of like how whenever his GN field comes up on this thing, the wings come up. It's a cool effect. 
So Setsuno's like, hey, you're the twistedness in this world. If I kill you, it'll at least end the first season. (laughs) (laughs) And he's doing his whole Trans Am blinky after image thing. And Alejandro Corner's like, all you can do is destroy. And Setsuno's like, well, yes, but if I'm cutting out a cancer like you, that's fine. So they get into a beam, not saber clash, but like beam rifle duel. Then we get a flashback between uh, Setsuna and Lock-On explaining the physical sword on the Exia. Yeah, where it's like, do you know why the Exia has a physical sword, Setsuna? Checks and balances. It's so you can fuck up any Gundams that have GN fields if we need to fight them. Like, I don't know, maybe if Tiaria goes crazy with that GN field and trial system, you're our ace in the hole. <laughs> I uh, mean, if- That's why Veda chose polar opposite people to have the Exia and the Virtue, is because if they agree on something, they're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but if the trial system is activated and Setsuna can't... I wonder if the trial system will work on the Exia. I wonder if the checks and balances go that far. I'm not sure, although he says... You know, he's talking about this one sword and referring to the one that is, like, exposed on the on the Exia's side the entire time. The Exia still has, like, four other physical swords that it carries around. Well, it didn't yeah. in the past, though. Yeah. Those other physical swords were added on in mid in the series, in that the is, Seven Swords episode. I guess that is true. So, so anyway, the ghost of Lock-On is like, remember me, and fades out. And Setson is like, yeah, Lock-On, swords. I love swords. <laughs> Anyway, I am a destroyer who only knows how to fight, but I will do it to end the conflict. Time to destroy you. So then Setsuna gets into the field and just stabs both of the arms with his other two swords. And Corner's like, this can't happen. Well, specifically, it stabs through the field. Like, he doesn't get inside Corner's GN field. He just stabs right through it. So he stabs the wings to pin it, which deactivates the GN field, and Setsuna's like, cool, I've got lots of beam sabers. Here, why don't you have a sample of each of them? <laughs> I just I'm going like- to hit you with every single sword I carry, just to be absolutely sure. When they make the Gubbolo fighting game, this will be my finishing move. <laughs> he basically just makes it a giant pin cushion, and it's amazing. And then he cuts it in half. With the big sword. Would rather not be known as the underkill guy. And he's like, that's what I am, a Gundam. Actually, that's what we all are. We're all Gundams. You're not a Gundam, though. I will though. get this phrase for my 100-kill backup thing for Dynasty Gundams. Warriors Gundam. Anyway, then Corner gets a call from Ribbons. Because he's I not love, dead yet. I love the frame that Ribbons has in the video call. <laughs> Where he's like, lol, you thought you were the villain, Corner, but I am the villain. Sucks to be you. You Time thought you were expl- Kefka, but I am Kefka. This is no longer Shehenberg's plan. It has now become my plan. All tied up in a neat bow because it's ribbons. Get it? And Corner's like, no, it was supposed to be my plan or something. How could you, Ribbons? You were my perfect angel. And Ribbons is like, you're being obsessed with uh, Shenberg is what makes you such a small man. And then he explodes. Mo first corner punches Ribbons on the screen. Yeah, and then in that exact good. moment, he explodes. So he just rolled well enough to get the uh, the conversation before his character died. The dying died. monologue. And Sesson is like, man, I could really go for a power thirst. Man, I need a Gatorade. And the Trans Am starts to wear off. But before he can hydrate, a giant red streak is coming towards him of GN particles. And hey, it's a flag with a pseudo-solar reactor. And an incredibly sane man, Graham Aker, is like, <laughs> ah, I've been wanting to meet you so much, Gundam. And then we see it not quite do a transformation sequence, but it's seen where it like thrusts the GN drive into the flag like it can only use it temporarily. 
or maybe because it doesn't need it all the time since it is a flag. I think it's a situation where it's switching what it's being used for. Because when it switches over to this other side, oh, it yeah, pulls it out the, the beam, beam saber, saber. So it's now powering the beam saber instead of the flag's engines. Which is the beam saber it stole from the throne eye. Mm-hmm. Which is now wired up to it. It's kind of rad. So Setson immediately pulls out his blade to try and block this beam saber. And Graham is like, I will avenge Howard and Daryl. I bet Daryl died in the last episode. With this GN flag. And my immediate thought here for Setson would be like, who the hell are you talking about? I didn't kill any flag pilots. To be fair, uh, he just said flag fighters. And Setsuna has killed a lot of people. And he probably killed some flag pilots, just not recently. <laughs> or on screen. I feel like he might have in Terribia. I thought those were all real does that we saw them fighting in there. They might have been. Anyway, Graham's calling Setsuna and he's like, what the fuck? Hey, wait a minute. It's that guy. And Graham is like, wait a minute, it's that kid. Or in Japanese, he just keeps yelling shonen, which yes, this is very shonen. You're right, Graham. (laughs) And they're both confused that they've met. And so Graham's like, I guess this is destiny for us to cross the pass. I bet you're a Virgo too. (laughs) And again, I had the immediate thought of, of course you're destined to cross paths. You are a freaking stalker (laughs) chasing him around. So Graham gets one of Exia's arms. And it's like, hey, that overwhelming display of power that you first uh, displayed to the world in the Gundam, I fell in love. That could only be love. And this is to go further beyond love into hatred. And Setsuna's like, this guy's fucking nuts. And I think I'm a Gundam. (laughs) And I hang around with Alleluia, who has two personalities. And Tieria, who's just a fucking dick, but he's insane. And Lock-On, who- You'd fit right in with us. Or, and then Graham is like, yeah, it's just like taking religious uh, fanaticism too far. And Setsuno's like, if you know that example that's hyper-specific to my life, why are you still fighting? And, and then he cuts the flag almost in half. And like this kind of is a slobber knocker, in my opinion. It's just a, a lightning fast one, right? Because it's a flag and outdated machine and the Exia after using its Transam and being low on particles. I feel like, I guess calling saying it wasn't a slobber knocker was not me being accurate. I was expecting more of a long term fight because this is very much a slobber knocker because they're just taking bits off. Yeah, yeah, they get each other's heads. It reminds me a lot of the fight, the f- big fight between Kira and Atherin. Yeah. So Setsuna's like, hey, you have this all twisted. And Graham's like, if I'm twisted, it's because you made me this way. And it's, it's because the Gundams exist. As he does the kick to prove he's a good pilot. Uh, and then Exia just starts shooting at him. And Graham's like, this is why I must defeat you. I don't care about the rest of the world. It's my will. But Setsuna's like, well, then you're part of the, but you're part of the world. And Graham's like, all right, then consider this the voice of the world rejecting you and your Gundams. And Setson is like, no, that is the twistedness, I think, actually, is people forcing their own ego on others. And now I'm going to come cut the twistedness out of you. And Graham is like, that was rad. Well said. Shonen is hell. (laughs) So they go on a joust with each other. No dodging. Just face tank this hit. Stab each other right next to the cockpit. And then the GN flag starts exploding. And Graham is like, Howard, Daryl, I've avenged you. By killing this dude that wasn't involved in either of your deaths. Well, he doesn't know that. And then his cockpit explodes, and Graham Aker was never heard from again. Until he becomes Neo Graham Oak. Neo Graham Cracker. (laughs) His name's so much dumber than that. (laughs) Hell no! Does he actually get a stupid persona? I forget what his name is, but it is really dumb. (sighs) God damn it. 
so we cut over to the Nodley, which is beat up. It's missing all but one of its limbs. And Tiaria is in pain. And he's like, this is not the end. Ugh. No matter what, the plan must continue. I can still save the solar reactor if I hit the eject button and just put it into space. Which actually, I guess, makes sense because Celestial Being has a tracker on it. And this would be much harder to find than the Nodley. Well, it's because he does look out and he sees something coming near. Well, and then we cut to the assault carrier felt like the Nodley has ejected its GN drive. I actually feel like the lights that Tiaria sees here is actually the assault container, but he doesn't know that. That might be. And he's like, now oh, I can finally go to where you've gone, Lock On. You've been dead for so long, almost two whole episodes, and I <laughs> finally get to join you. Then we cut to the Curios just floating in space with Alleluia screaming that it can't be that Soma Pierce is actually Mary. What a twist. Did you know Hallelujah? And Hallelujah's like, duh. <laughs> but if I told you, you would stop fighting her and I needed to kill her. You just wait to die instead. But it doesn't matter. I'm going to die first. Anyway, I am the dead. Bleh. And all is like, Hallelujah. No. Did half my brain just die? I'm not sure how this works. Yeah, I'm not sure how exactly it works to have a split personality to have one of your personalities die. He just resolved all of his unresolved trauma. He's fine now. Unfortunately, his trauma was helpful for piloting mobile suits in this sweet way with his hair slicked back. <laughs> Does that mean that he can't use that anymore? That he's now going to be categorically a worse pilot? Provided uh, he survives this? Well, he lost his aiming eye, as we've established. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think he had an aiming eye. But he won't be stubborn and not go in the healing tank. So. I think he, uh, he might have lost his ruthless eye. We then cut to Setsuna, whose cockpit is fucked up in a way I love, with just this giant hole from a beam saber in it. But he's okay. It seems to have mostly missed him. And he remembers Marina Ismail. And hey, remember when Felt was like, do you want to send a letter to someone, Setsuna? He secretly wrote one to Marina. And his letter is basically like, yeah, I'm a die. By the time you're reading this, I will be dead. I wanted to end war with armed force because all I knew how to do was fight. But we're working on the same side. And was I think your way might actually work. Keep going. And she's like, this is a weird fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> I do like how while she's reading this, we do get a shot of the uh, Exia basically just going into orbit above Earth. We also get a shot of Chun-Li. Remember her and her brutler and Nana's with them. Is she well, I mean, with she them? didn't have anywhere else to go. I yeah. think that's the implication is that okay. she's with them. So do you think uh, Chun-Li just like is. adopted her? So is she going to be Sistler? That sounded better in my head, but it doesn't have yeah. the T in it, so yeah. it sounded like a, a restaurant. No, no, I get what you're going for, Zach, but it sounds like you're saying cis Hitler. Like, this is Hitler-chan. Oh, no, see, <laughs> see when <laughs> I said you're, it- You're going for butler, sister. I get it. Well, sister butler in the same way, brutler. Yeah. My, it, when I said it, my brain heard sizzler instead. You know, the, the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she could be a buster. We also see Katamonikin just looking exhausted. And Luis- just and so Be being Luis, yeah, and Saji being determined at school. And hey, Sergey is fine, and Soma is with her on a gurney. I guess not fine, but alive. He he seems to be scorched a little bit, but so Setsuna, so it's probably fine. And Setsuna's like, hey, Marina, I just wanted to find answers, and you are also looking for those answers on a different path. As so, she is crying, yeah. So anyway, if you need a private military, I guess you have Celestial Being now. Well, I mean, Celestial Being is now basically gone. The military arm of Celestial Being is shattered. I mean, they still have Sumeragi. She could forecast. <laughs> forecast with what? So if you need they a have war an weather cap. container. I was like, today's weather will be death. 
They have the assault container. That's it. The XE is gone. The Virtue's gone. The Dynamis is gone. Well, actually, the Dynamis is still in their charge. They still have that one. It's pretty bad, banged up. Yeah, but they still have it. It's not like floating through space. I guess it is on board the, uh, probably still on board the Ptolemaeus, which is drifting through space. But that part of the ship is fine. So we cut to the year 2312, four years later. And hey, it's another letter. This one's from Saji. And he's like, hey, Luis, I haven't written to you in a while. It's been two years since you stopped writing back to me, but I'm persistent. <laughs> anyway, well, I get- I'm Saji in space. This does actually kind of make sense because he's finally working in space, which is what they were saying is the dream to happen. Yeah, and he's like, so I made this dream come true. Please let my other dream come true. Anyway, I'll be here waiting for you. I hope you join me. XOXO, still got that ring, Saji. <laughs> He looks slightly more adult now, too. Yeah, it's been four years. So he's probably like 20 now. So he's staring at Earth, and they see, like, he and his co-worker see this green streak, and he's like, huh. And his co-worker's like, hey, are those GN particles? Whose machine could that possibly be? And Saji's like, wait a minute, hang on. That's green particles, not red particles. That's a Gundam. Fucking Gundams. He looks really conflicted about it, too. He does. It's been four years. And then Day Breaks Bell starts playing one last time for us as we get an epilogue over the credits. To really reinforce the idea that this could serve as the end point if it absolutely had to. Also, my epilogue over your credits. (laughs) So we cut to the UN. We're like, it's been one year since we renamed ourselves the Earthphere's Federation. Worked in Gundam Wing. We waited three years apparently to do this. I assume there was a lot of diplomatizing that had to go on. I'm also not sure if this is taking place at the same time or earlier, but... I, just because of the way it's presented, I feel like this happens after, or at around the same time Saji sees the, the Gundam. Anyway, we've all agreed to dissolve all our militaries into one big one. What could possibly go wrong? Once all the militaries are all our military, there will be true peace in the Earth sphere. It's fine. And then we get a bunch of new jinxes lined up in front in a, sort of a military formation for, like, parade rest. And we see some people in the crowd in front of them, too, including Kadi Monikin and Sergei Smirnov. And, hey, there in the back, Patrick Kolasar ain't dead. No yep, attention on him, he's but he's there, there, right behind Kadi, where he wants to be. So we see Marina watching this on this TV. on TV as uh, her vizier is apparently leaving. Yes, but over this we get dialogue between Nana and Chun-Li, which is very strange to me. It feels like they're like, oh no, we don't have this extra 10 seconds for this scene, so we'll put the dialogue over this one where we didn't have dialogue, for I guess. For a second, I honestly thought this conversation was happening between Marina and Sheeran. Yeah, me too. But no. But then I was like, wait a minute, but Sheeran and Marina's mouths aren't moving, and it I was like, oh, so that was supposed to be between Chun-Li and Nana. Yeah, where Chun-Li is like, man, I still think the world kind of sucks. Then we cut to Ribbons. He's like, it's all about to begin season two to me, my X-Men. And he's sitting on a couch with a bunch of pretty people behind him. Uh, Then we cut to a guy in a mask. And then Ali Al-Sachez drinking. Uh, Okay, I did not not recognize guy in mask. I don't think you're supposed to, but it becomes pretty obvious pretty quickly. But I don't think it's obvious here. Then we get an elevator shot of someone um, who looks an awful lot like Tiaria and someone who looks an awful lot like Luis, but it's been a couple of years, so maybe it's just Tiaria and Luis. I will say also- Can't lo- be Tiaria. He's smiling. Yeah, so Tiaria looks like he has some social savvy now, so that can't be him. 
and we end on Saji just staring out into space and then a shot of the earth. And by end, I mean that's the end of the credit sequence. We do have a post-credits, which starts right now, where we cut back to Celestial being secret base, where Chun-Li has shown up to hang out with Ian Vashti. And Ian's like, our, our space suit. It's so dumb. Why does it have twin tails? Uh, so she can be the empress of space. And Ian's like, yeah, we're rolling out our first unit. We just sent it out for testing before battle. And Chun-Li's like, what about the other machines? He's like, they'll be on time. We're, we're still working on it. And she's like, so can I see the first generation machine we have? And Ian's like, ah, a fellow mobile cert nerd. Yes, you can. <laughs> this is it. The big O. It's mint in package. <laughs> Anyway, here's our O Gundam. We already took the solar reactor out, but we got it if we need it for some reason. Hey, look, it looks an awful lot like your standard Gundam. Well, okay, so this is the one that appeared to Setsuna, right? Yes. Yeah. And Chun-Li's like, this was the first working machine to be equipped with a solar reactor. And Ian's like, yep, but we put it on the new machine, but it wasn't a match. So the only thing left to try is the Exeus. And then we get Nana on Overwatch. (laughs) (laughs) And her eyes seem to be a different color. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know if it's going to work with the Exeus solar reactor or not, but we got to try. And then they look at a door that has two O's on it. And Chun-Li is like- the Ooh Gundam. <laughs> yeah. And Chun-Li's like, the machine that will change the world. The Ooh Gundam. <laughs> I feel like it's more of the Bond Gundam. I do like the, uh, the thing that we get right after that, and it pops up with just mission incomplete. Yeah, it's a pretty good way to end. Or I guess not end, but say, hey, it's not to be continued, but it's also not never the end. It's a nice middle ground. Yeah, so the, the story's not over yet. Yeah, so we have the uh, next episode, which is Second Impact. And that's the first half of Gundam Double O. What did you think of the episode, Tyler? Um, Of the episode overall, pretty okay. Like, I'm definitely on the positive side. I'm not like... It wraps a bunch of stuff up fairly nicely. I actually kind of like the epilogue fairly well because it simultaneously wraps things up but also sets up a ton of questions so i always kind of like getting epilogues and seeing where people are down the road in in uh stories like this like i said i really like this the first time i watched it but on a rewatch there's a bunch of fridge logic problems i have with it the biggest one being alejandro corner but i think it does do an admirable job of wrapping up a bunch of stuff while also setting up some new stuff for the second half to explore and if you have to have a climax, this isn't too bad a one. I like this a lot more than early Gundam 00 that's really floundering with its pacing. I mean, it definitely did have a straight up decision as to what it was going to do with its time. Like I said before, I feel like it didn't give Graham enough time to kind of breathe as his own final confrontation because it happens so closely on the end of the Alejandro confrontation. That's probably just because the Alejandro confrontation feels so out of place. And so when Graham actually does show up, it's like, all right. It feels like that's what should have happened instead, right? Maybe not necessarily instead because, you know, having the flag straight up stand up against the Exia in in prime condition. I'm not sure how much that would work, but. Do you have a high point for this episode, Tyler? Yeah, I think it's actually going to be Aleluya's um, sudden transition to badassery, and specifically the, like the end of that where someone's breaking Sergei out of the cockpit. That's what I would have picked. That, that-, that was going to be mine, too, <laughs> of, Ale- of uh, Aleluya slicking back his hair into badass mode. So what do you got then, Zach? Uh, since I can't go with that one, I think I am going to go with the Graham sets in a simultaneous stabbings. They were playing joust. At the end, yeah, that's that's serious, just slobber knocker of a fight. 
I'm going to go with the passes on the Alvator then with the G in arms, because I think particularly the way that it animates the Exia cutting into it, especially when it cuts that X into it and he's just hacking at it. I think it's a real good animation. Yes, yeah, so especially on the second swipe where it just like lingers on the shot of him shredding through the hull. Do you have a low point, Tyler? Hmm, come back to me. I'll come up with something. Zach. Why is Alejandro Corner driving a mobile suit now? And why is he calling Setson out for being a novice when it, like you said, Jeremy, what the hell training do you have to drive a mobile suit, Corner? I'm going to hop on that and be like, why does Ribbons call dying Alejandro Corner just to make fun of him? Oh, uh, I mean, no, that's amazing. <laughs> to establish Ribbons as the, pl- as the bad guy in the next season. Yeah, but... that's for us, but it's real dumb. You got something, Tyler? Can I take something from the epilogue? Sure. That's a part, of the, part of the episode. Fair. Uh, specifically, the UN scene is just like, congratulations, we did we did the thing. We are now the Earthsphere Federation and all one army. And like, I don't know. It just seems really awkward and clunky. It's like a little too much exposition. I would have way preferred to see a news report on JNN or something. Kinoi's dead. There's that. <laughs> We're going to save MVPs for a minute. Because we want to do a sort of breakdown of the first season, this episode. It won't be quite as long as our normal post-season breakdowns, but I want to talk about some stuff. So you expressed very high opinions of Gundam 00 in our last couple episodes, Tyler. So what do you think of the first half overall? Pretty good. I I think if the series had ended here more or less, I would have been probably top like 20 or 30 anime for me. It starts out really slow, but like once it f- figures out where it's going, it hits pretty hard pretty consistently. Zach, do you have any thoughts on it that you want to add? I feel like Tyler hit the nail pretty close to the head there. It's very weak early on because it takes so long for it to get itself going to kind of establish where it wants to go. I'm not sure if it would be top 20 or 30 for me. I You've watched also- a lot more anime than I have, so... So there's that, but pretty good. Like, it's definitely very good. I think Setsuna is my favorite Gundam pilot. Period, right? You're not yeah, talking I, about I think Gundam just double period, o. yeah. Yeah, he's definitely nowhere near Kira for me, but I do like him a lot. He's got one of the best shitty teenager arcs. I mean, I think he's probably number three for me. Who do you put above him? Domon? Yes. <laughs> Kira and Domon? Okay. See, and I don't actually like Kira that much, so. I like Kira's arc through seed in in part through destiny i guess when, when kira finally just kind of decides yes there are people who, who must die yeah th- this is my thing now oh no i have always found atherin to be a more compelling they're both very so. good it's just i'm thinking straight up protagonist and atherin is definitely a secondary protagonist but if i'm just looking at one of them then it would definitely be kira and domon yeah i was gonna save this for a little later but i think the reason i like seed so much more than double o is that while I think Setsuna is really, really good, there's no one close to Atherin, in my opinion, even though I like Kira more than Atherin, because I feel like Double O in a lot of ways struggles with its remaining three pilots, right? Because Alleluia gets the bit early on where he saves the container, then he gets the scene where he goes and destroys the super soldier lab, and then he's basically absent until the last episode, right? Yep. Tiaria's got something weird going on that they've been foreshadowing a lot, but we don't really know what it is, and I don't feel like we have a good handle on his growth, even though it's happening. And Lock-On kind of feels like the way they present him, that he's already gone through his character arc. Well, he's no longer a teenager, so... (laughs) At least that's how it felt like to me. And while I think a lot of the villains are really interesting characters, they're kind of more divided because there are so many of them. Yeah, I also... They never really gave... Like, there are too many Chars, right? 
And like well, none of them en- develop nearly as interesting a dynamic as Kira and Athra never do. Uh, well, they by default never actually have that kind of a dynamic. Graham, I feel like he cuts the arm off of the throne, steals the beam saber, and then is just gone till the last episode. Soma and Sergei feel like they're a lot more consistent. And Alia Sacha just kind of bounces in and out of the storyline as needed. Like, none of them feel consistent in the way that we had with Atherin and Kira. Sachez as a character, I think, is better in some ways than Rao, who I think is the equivalent character. They're the crazy nihilist ones that are kind of the pure evil forces. That said, I really like the way Gundam Seed goes out of its way near the end to pit Kira and Rao against each other with the Joker colony scene. Yeah, ideologically, if nothing else, yeah. they're opposed. To be fair, this is only 25 episodes versus 50 of that, uh, so they don't really have time. But Sanchez, while they do try to set him up by making him Lock-On's enemy and Setson his enemy, it doesn't quite work as either of them because of it. Because Setson has got Graham, too, and that's a little too cluttered. And so I get why they try to put him on Lock-On, but he feels like he should be Setson as bad guy. I also feel like Ollie is the, like, the, the antagonist to the Celestial Bean character who has the most, like, actual interaction with any of the pilots. Like, he's the only one who has personal stakes with any of them. Yeah, I was going to get to that next via Soma and Sergei, who have a super interesting dynamic with each other, right? But their dynamic with the Gundam pilots basically doesn't exist until this final episode where Alleluia's like, hey, I know her and have a personal connection to her. They're just getting started on that. I feel like that's just one of those problems you always run into with with stuff like this because they don't know who each other are. And they don't have the same kind of dynamic that, for instance, Code Geass employs, so that the characters on opposite sides do interact with each other on a more regular basis. Well, and have a reason not to just kill each other on sight, yeah. right? Whereas I feel like in this, if Soma had a gun, she would just shoot Alleluia. And I definitely don't think it's bad. I just think it's weaker than Seed. And yeah. you shouldn't just be doing to do exactly what Seed did when you're the next series. Going another direction is, I think, a good idea. No, no, no. It's, it is definitely a better idea than just be like, okay, yeah, we're just going to do that again. Because even if that is particularly strong, you just end up making both weaker because you're just copy pasting. And that never looks good. But I just think that the characters are very close to Seed. Like the extended cast is very good in the same way Seed's extended cast is very good, right? It just, I think that you don't get anything as strong as like Atherin or Moo. I guess some people would argue Graham is close to Moo, I suppose, but. I I will say. I wouldn't put him in the same place because he's antagonistic towards them. There's not really that mentor character for the Gundam pilots. Lock-On would be the closest, but even he doesn't fit the same role because we don't see quite as much of Lock-On interacting with the other pilots as we get with Moo interacting with Kira. You're about to say something, Tyler? Oh, no, I was just thinking, like, you were saying how both shows have a fairly strong extended cast. I think the problem is, like, or maybe not the problem, I think Seed is just much stronger in this respect, because Toll, a fairly minor side character, that was, like, an emotionally impactful death. I did I do not care about anyone dying at the end of Devil O. Even Lock-On? Or would he be the exception? Of almost Lock-On. And I think part of that is that I was just less invested or emotionally invested in the show for a variety of reasons. See, I, I feel kind of the same way with the with Lichty and, and Christina. I don't feel that way with, with, with Lock-On. But I feel like, for me at least, the problem with Christina and Lichty is they spend so much time on it. They really try to tug, your heart tug the heartstrings, yeah. whereas 
Think about when Tall dies. He just comes out to help Kira and is just aced. He doesn't get a, a death soliloquy or anything like that. He's just dead. And there's no time to process it because Kira is like, I must avenge my friend. And the, and the effect so. is on Kira. It's on the other people. Yeah. Whereas with Lichty and Christina, it's like, we're going to linger on this. They're going to give dying soliloquies to everybody and then they're going to die. That doesn't really, like, you lose a lot of the effectiveness by trying, you know, you're yanking on those heartstrings and it's just not making music. Yeah, I, I feel like Lassie exploding was more impactful than Chrissy and Lichty. I think that. Lassie's more of a character than Christine also and Lichty, that, yeah. and that's why. Um, Christine is actually pretty good of a character, but it's been so long since she's done anything. Yeah. Well, and again, Lassie doesn't get this long, drawn-out soliloquy. He tells Seth, he gives Setsuna one last piece of advice, and then basically is gone. I also think that people have, including us a little bit, have rose-tinted goggles towards the first part of Gundam 00, just because the ending is so strong. Yeah, but yeah. it's not just the first half that's slow. Remember that the druggies don't show up until the first half, and most of the druggy stuff is kind of on the weak side, too. Even in the first half of 00, though, I remember uh, I, I was, like, thinking back on this in preparation for this, and, like, even around episode 7 or 8, I'm like, oh, it's actually starting to pick up, and then it drops off for a while, and then it picks up dramatically, so... That's true. The second half is pretty strong overall, and the, like... A third of the first half is not good. I think actively not good. <laughs> uh, let's see. It's it's the first, I want to say, seven or eight minus a couple until they get into that fight in the desert. Yep. The desert fight's not bad, but that also introduces the druggies and it kind of serves to just do that. Going, I think it's more a matter of the last ten episodes or so are very strong. I don't even think it's that many is the thing. I think it's like the last six episodes. I was trying to gauge where the GN drives popped up, and I can't remember precisely where that is. The, the pseudo ones? The, yes. Like the, the, with the jinxes. It's episode 19 that ends with the UN. Oh, shit. It's yeah. 19. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the one that ends with the UN going and seeing them. Okay, so it actually is just those last five episodes that I'm thinking of. They, they pack a lot into those last five. And that's why I like the second half so much. There are lots of problems with the second half. A, a couple of the characters just fall off cliffs. The political intrigue isn't nearly as good, but it keeps up this pacing, which I will, am happy to trade that for. If this was the end of Gundam 00, what would we think about it? That's not a perfectly fair uh, analogy, because obviously there's stuff at the end of this that they are literally seeding for the next <laughs> half, right? Like the ribbons giving them the call and Alleluia being like, Mary. But if you can kind of ignore that a little bit, what would you be satisfied with and what would you be dissatisfied with if this were the end? I think for the most part, I'd be reasonably satisfied with the ending as more of a melancholy f failure type of ending. Like they tried to change the world and they kind of did, but they didn't make it. They didn't make the lasting impact they wanted to. I think I'd probably be disappointed a little bit with that because I, I generally, as a person, prefer a happy ending. Like, I like to walk away from a series that has ended in success and, you know, triumph for my protagonists. But I think I would be a little bit disappointed with the Alleluia Mary connection because it's like, wait, she can't be uh, who? I, I mean, I would have just taken that out. Like, yeah. if this were the actual ending, I just would have not had that line. Exist. I wasn't treated. I, I was specifically thinking of it like if this episode yeah. as presented was the end of Double Lock. Yeah. What would I think? Because that was what I interpreted Jeremy's question to be. I would have liked, like, again, if this was the actual ending, I would have liked a little bit more of a, 
wrap up on the ramifications that Celestial Bean's existence had on the world a little bit. Like, I don't know, spend two or three minutes examining that. But it sounds like you guys are pretty satisfied with it, because the things you are disappointed in are things that probably would have been in a version of this that was intended to be. Yeah, exactly. I like it fairly well overall. I kind of want, like, Setsuna's status to be a little bit more ambiguous. Gotcha. Going back to the minor characters, then, if this is the end, what would you think about Saji and Louise and Marina Ismail? None of that made any difference. Why were they there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with Tyler on that one. Because of the way they're, they're treated, why do they take up so much screen time? So you would want them removed if it was only the first 25 episodes of Double O then. All three of them are, are mostly, Saji and Louise are a unit. Marina Ismail is kind of just a character that- I feel that, like you remove one or the other and focus on the one you keep and make uh, them a bigger part of the story. That makes sense. And I think in that case, you keep Marina probably. Yeah, because like she's an emotional tether for Setsuna, which is someone he yeah, I feel early like you, on. You remove Saji, Louise, and Kinue as- major players they might still be mentioned or pop up as like because Sessina is Saji's neighbor but it would have been more of just a like a side gag for like when Louise's mother goes home he wouldn't have spent the time on it but it would have just been one of those little moments of hey this guy's girlfriend is breaking down and he's asking Setsuna to pop in and try and you know do that like that scene is still fine on yeah, its still own. a very funny scene just as an extant thing we just wouldn't have the necessary connection I do feel like Marina is the one you would keep out of the out of the two pairing that you mentioned there. I was lumping I'm lumping Kinoe in with Saji and Louise because they're she's kind of connected to his, she is connected to his storyline. Marina seems to me like she suffers from a lot of the same stuff the other three Gundam Meisters do. She just doesn't just disappears from the story for a bit and they don't have time for her. This obviously isn't how stories work with opportunity costs and everything. But if it was only the first 25 episodes and you could either cut out Saji and Louise or keep it as is, what would you choose? You can't replace it with something. I honestly would choose to keep it. I mean, really, I want the third option where like yeah. I want them to be more important to the story somehow. Well, obviously, you would. Th- that's why I forbade that option. Yep. They don't spend a lot of screen time on them overall. They're just like in, in every episode. I would Except honestly... for the couple of episodes where they focus very heavily on them. Yeah. I would honestly keep it because I feel like the ramifications of the throne pilot's actions are interesting. And that is just a really, like, that whole hospital scene is just a really good scene. It just has no impact on the story, though. And, like, if we're going for, like, economy of storytelling, you should cut it. I'd remove it if it was just going to be this first 25 and I was making this. Yeah. All right. We have some mobile suits to put on our list. Starting, I think, with the Gundam Curios, which really gets a spotlight this episode. I like the Curios more than the Virtue. I do, too. I like the Virtue more, but... <laughs> the Virtue is very chunky, and it has that very cool big cannon, but the Curios having its, like, high mobility, and I actually really like that orange and white color scheme. The color scheme is kick-ass. I do like that. I think it's natural to compare it to the Wingen, but I don't think we're going to get that far, because I don't think I like it as much as the Dynamis, and I think that I like the Dynamis the least of the three of us. I don't like it quite as much as the Dynamis. I love that sniper rifle aesthetic, the the poncho. And while I'm not a big fan of transforming mobile suits, I really like the fact that the Curios generally spends most of its time in one mode, in, in its jet mode. Yeah, well, because that's how it does support fire, which is kind of like its thing. 
Yeah, no, I think I agree. I think I like the Dynamis more. So this is going to be a real quick ranking. Do we think it's better or worse than the Tequila Gundam Daniel Custom? I like the Tequila Gundam a whole lot. The Tequila so. Gundam is very well themed, but I think I might like the Curios. Well, okay, for, from a uh, pure camp perspective, definitely the Tequila Gundam. From like an actual functional thing, the Curios is pretty nice. I vote the Tequila Gundam, though. Yeah, well, I agree with you, Tyler, but which way do I land on it? Yeah, I agree with your breakdown 100%. I mean, it's also a matter of this double odd is much more of a serious angled series, whereas Build Divers is not. I will say we try not to include the pilot in the calculations at all, but uh, Alleluia is a hell of a lot more of a character than Daniel. I think I'm going to go with the Curios. It's really close, but it really impresses this episode. I did have the thought... Of it explains the scissor a lot more this episode with kind of going a sideways explanation. Well, yep. it shows how it is useful, right? Yeah, it justifies well, it. That and um, I was also thinking if it's a solid thing goes through GN fields, then the fact that it has that solid jackhammer makes a lot more makes sense. a lot more sense. All right, do we want to put the Alvator on in, in two separate sections, mobile armor and mobile suit form, or just one? They both suck. I mean, I agree. I feel like they're different enough that I would put them on separately. All right. I think it's better than the Agrisa, yep. which is the spider thing, the plasma spider that tried to murder Setsuna that one time. I, are we doing separately? I'm sorry. Uh, I, I got... That was my okay. vote. We'll, uh, we'll do the mobile armor first one then. I, I, I think I, I agree with that. I think it's a little better than the Agrisa. I think it's better than the Gelsgi, which is the Dreider from... I don't. I think I am the person who is the most the fan of the Gelsgi, and I think it's better than the Gelsgi. So. I definitely don't think it's as good as the Destroy Gundam, which is the next similar thing on the list. No, the Destroy is way better. I don't think it's as good as the Mobius Zero, which is a mobile armor we got no, on No, it's not. Nowhere close. I don't think it's as good as the Core Splendor. No. I don't think it's as good as the Kapool. Huh. The Momo Kapool. No, no just, this is just regular a, Kapool. Yeah, just a regular I forgot Kapool. we had a regular Kapool on there. I definitely don't think it's as good as the Mobo Kapool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think I agree. Why is the Kapool on there? Momo had a Kapool before she had the Momo Kapool. Oh. She, she got it as a rental, remember? Yeah, I just didn't remember ranking it. Uh, it's one of the main grunt suits in turn A. That's why I'm confused. Speaking of main grunt suits, I think it's better than a Leo. I mean, I, an explosion. I, I mean, a Leo. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer the Leo to this thing. I actually kind of like the Leo's design. I don't. <laughs> kind of at all. I'm, I'm going to give it to the Alvator. Also, it's got the ridiculous firepower, which I think makes up for a lot. I think, speaking of firepower, Zoot is more fun to say than the Alvator is as a design. So I, I think don't I like, like the big <laughs> golden turd. I really just don't like the big golden turd. I like the Alvator more than the Zoot. Zach, are you saying below the Zoot? Below the Zoot. So the Alvatore's mobile armor form will go at number 99 above the Leo and below the Zoot. I think the mobile suit is better. I yes. don't think it's good. Agreed. <laughs> On both counts. I think it's better than the Kapool, for example. I, I do, yes. I think it's better than the Taros, which sucks. <laughs> Zach is giving me an incredulous look. Yeah, but the Taros is just terrible. I don't think it's better than the Enact, though. Um, it's about tied with the Enact. It's got some things going for me which I like better than the Enact, but some things that I like worse than the Enact. It's pretty close. I would. I really hate the head on the Enact. Yeah, I. And the Enact is really lanky. Interesting, because I the reason I think the Enact's better than the Alvatore's mobile arm. Yeah, it's because I think the Alvatore's head looks so dumb. It it's does. Like it looks like a bad gym knockoff head. But I like the Alvatore 
like wing gn fields um i like it's kind of like minimalistic beam rifle designs i got like it's got just that little splash of blue on it it does have a little blue zach what are your thoughts i'm i'm torn i don't know precisely where to put if i think it's better or worse than the enact which is rough because it come it's coming down to me well, that's okay, because I will tell you, it will not go above the thing that is above the enact for you me. You know, so. I think, because I can't think up the, I can't decide on the merits of the design necessarily, because I think they both kind of suck. I'm going to have to go with pilots to make the tiebreaker. And Patrick Collisar is a human, unlike. And Patrick Collisar is awesome, so it goes below the enact. So the Alvatore's mobile suit form will go uh, number 91 above the Taros and below the enact. I feel like at some point we should just do like a uh, pilot popularity contest. So Mulaflog is number one. Yeah, Mulaflog is number two. <laughs> Neo Roanoke is number infinite. I mean, Patrick Colasar is on there somewhere. <laughs> All right. Uh, we still have the Exia, but I do kind of want to save that for just a little while longer. So we're talking about the Exia being like lithe and graceful, like a dancer. And I just kind of want like that, Al- or that final fight with the Alvator where it's just like dumping a bunch of swords into it. <laughs> Uh, going, hold me closer, tiny dancer. Anyway. <laughs> so we skipped MVPs for this episode. So we did. Tyler, who's your MVP this episode? There are a lot of solid choices for this, I think. Hmm, I'm torn between three. Yeah, me too. I, I know who mine is already. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it to Hallelujah. Uh, you want to go into further detail? I, perfectly reasonable choice, Jess. Mostly, I, I think this is kind of like the cap of his character arc. So there's like... He's got that going. He pulls off some badass stuff. He makes a terrible decision and doesn't wear his helmet. Uh, I don't, he, he resolves a lot of his internal conflict with this episode while also setting up some more for the next season. Zach. Damn, this is tough. Because there are three, I think, very good ones. And I think my one of mine might be different. So, I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and give it to kind of my dark horse. And I'm going to give it to Soma. Soma was because on my list, too. Th- this is kind of the, the culmination of her arc, or at least part of her arc here. Because instead of continuing through with the, like, I am the super soldier, must continue, must complete the mission, you know, very robotic attitude, she stops pursuit of the Curios in order to make sure Sergei's okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really good choice. She was definitely someone I considered. But like I said, Alleluia slicking his hair back to have <laughs> both eyes showing is the coolest, dumbest shit this show has done. So I can't not give it to Alleluia this episode. Yeah, I, I was torn between Soma, Alleluia, and Setsuna. Yep. Graham was also on the list for me, but he was below the other three. I didn't have him on my list purely because he just kind of comes out of left field, doesn't really do a lot that put him on my on and then the radar, and then it's just exploded. That said, I think that really elevates the episode. That said, he was not on my radar either. Do you have a series high, or a first half of the series, I suppose? High point, Tyler. I think it's actually going to be the scene where Setsuna does, like, a peace march on the... Um, Azetasan? Is that what it is? Azetasan is... Yeah, thank you. Um, on the Azetasan, like, palace. Um, like, that With is... The, uh, the priest guy? In the cockpit? Yeah, I think I think that is the first, like, major humanizing moment for Setsuna, and I think kind of sets him on his journey for the rest of the s- season. I think that's a very good choice. Zach, what's yours? Lock-on and Setsuna's confrontation. Also very good. After the druggies tell Lock-on, hey, you're working with a terrorist. And so you've got this whole thing between Lock-On and Setsuna and Tiara being like, "How do what, what are human? This is so awkward, I don't know how. And then they go to that bowling alley, and that bowling scene is excellent. 
What's your uh, first half of the season high point? Yeah, remember that scene where Lockon uses Haro as a bowling ball? That was a great scene. <laughs> I feel weird not picking a character moment, but I'm not going to. I'm going to pick Aelia Shehenberg's trap card. And yep. the, the, <laughs> it's a great Jam moment. Scene. Not only is it a great moment, I really feel like that's where the series picks up into its climax. It's already pretty good going into that, but from there, it's all great. Do you have a series low point, Tyler? It is not a single time but it is the, we get the same exposition about how the nations are structured for each of the first, like, ten episodes. We don't care. We only need it at once. Zach? Lisa, I gotta say, Tyler, it's better than uh, Gundam Wing doing that in its opening for all 50 episodes or so. You see Marshall Noventa die so many times. <laughs> uh, so, actually, my series low point, I think, is going to be Druggies Code Red. Just them in Just general. Just them in general. Yeah, they don't add a whole lot. Like, to they the... escalate things in a serious manner, but it adds three more characters in an already seriously overcrowded cast. And then it gets rid of them really quick. And there's things I like about it. I really like how sudden Michael's death is and how it's an acceleration for Ollie, Ollie and his power up. But Nana feels weird and out of place, and they don't know what to do with her for the rest of the season. And Michael's not great either, other than that time Graham cut his arm off. You mean Johan? Yes. Same guy. Pretty much. I honestly kind of feel like they serve to be like a Krillin or something to like say, look, the Jinxes are actually a threat. They took out the thrones. The problem is it takes them so long to do that and the Jinxes don't get the thrones. Yeah, that's fair. They chase the thrones off and then Druggies Code Red are still around for another three or four episodes. I guess my point, though, is that we have to show that the Jinxes are a credible threat. And but we can't have them beating up the Gundam Meisters a whole lot because otherwise, like, how do they win ever? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a thing of their introduction is too slow and their outroduction is too fast. I think they are one of the many casualties of we have to suddenly have a climax and yeah. they need to be gone by the end of that. And they're not even on the board for the end of it. Uh, mine is going to be si- very similar and mine is going to be Mr. Alejandro Corner. He starts out as this weird guy who knows what's going on, and then maybe he's a villain, and then suddenly he's piloting a giant mobile suit and destroying the Ptolemy. What? It kind of feels like he's the guy that drew the short straw, and it's like, somebody has to be the big bad, so I guess it's me. I guess I'll pilot the giant alien space crab. He makes sense as a villain, but it's like Tyler said, he's the wrong kind of villain for this. He should be sneaking on board the Ptolemyos, threatening them with a gun, while the Gundam Meisters are out doing fight stuff, right? Or Ribbon should be shooting him in the back, taking over his plan. He shouldn't be getting on the giant golden Gundam because he has a ribbons for that even. And it, the story can't continue if ribbons is the one doing the mobile suit stuff. But they've established that role and it feels so weird for him to be out there. And like I said, we never find out what his motivation is beyond, ah, oh, that Eolia Schoenberg, he's dead and I hate that about him. Yeah, he does feel <laughs> like he's, he's the planner type of bad guy. Yeah, so I like why I said, is he can doing the direct confrontation? It would be like if Patrick Zala was like, "Now I shall get in this Galgu." I feel and- like it, like <laughs> the more appropriate comparison that you're looking for is still to Rundle. Yeah, fair, but but I like Gundam Seed Zach, because <laughs> I could actually see Patrick Zala getting in a Gundam to go fight. I will say I kind of like Durundle as a character. That's fair. That doesn't mean that it would be way out of place for him to be like, all right, I'm going to take this Gundam. Oh, no, it super would be. Um, Though he has everyone else do his dirty work. All right, so I have kept the math on our MVP votes for the episodes. Before we get into that information, though, do we have a series MVP, irrespective of votes, that we think contributed overall? So far? Yeah, so far, obviously. 
I think I gotta go with the uh, the simplest one because he is the thread that binds everything together, and I'm gonna give it to Setsuna. Uh, Tyler, do you have one? Yeah, I was trying to think of someone who isn't Setsuna who I would give it to, but it's Setsuna. Yeah, and I think I also think Setsuna, and I think that's one of the things that makes it weaker than Gundam Seed. Although someone might also say stronger. If we were doing this for Gundam Seed, I don't think we would all three say Kira. At the very least, one of us would feel compelled to take Atherin, right? Yeah, I th- there's a strong argument to be made for characters other than Kira. And like, although I feel like I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly where episode 25 breaks off because that's what I'm using in my head. Is that in the middle of the desert? 25 is, I think it's one of the ocean episodes. I think it's right before Kigali crash lands. Okay, so Atherin in that part has been gone for about half of the season. One of us might give it the Walt felt at that point, though, right? Yes, definitely. Who do we even have a second? Because I even think there's a very clear second in Graham Aker. I, Graham Aker was my second choice. He he drove really? a lot of the action for the first half of the For series. me, it was Lock-On, but that's okay, mostly because there's a... When Lock-On gets those character moments with Setsuna, it drives a lot for character growth for them. Do you guys want to guess who is number one on our tally list? I'm going to guess it's either Graham or Setsuna. I think it's Graham, actually. So in third place with six votes, we have Lock on Stratos. In second place, thanks to Zach, we got Soma Pierce at seven votes. Oh, really? Tied for first with eight votes are Graham Aker and Setsuna FCA. Eight votes apiece. Four of them for each came from me. <laughs> Tyler, you voted for the most different number of people to be MVP and are strangely the only person that gave Patrick Collisar no votes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the irony. So how many votes did Collisar come away with? Three. Two from you. You know who got more votes than Patrick Collisar? Goddamn Nana. <laughs> yep. She, she I don't was, think, did I give any to Nana? I don't yep. think I gave. There was one where we were unanimous on Nana. Okay. And then Tyler gave her an extra one. Wow. I uh, gave two votes to Collisar, one of which... Was definitely when he was asking out Cody Monikin. Tiaria only got one vote. Yeah. From Tyler. Uh, the Saji Louise. So, they each got one. Uh, and uh, his sister. Kinue didn't get any. Kinue got none. But that's also because Kinue never really drove an episode. She was always kind of inciliary to them. You and, both gave Aeolia Shenberg a vote, and I assume for the trap card yes, moment. That was <laughs> where both of us gave him that vote. I also think Soma didn't necessarily get cheated. But there are lots of episodes where it's like, do we give it to Sir, uh, to Smirge or do we give it to Soma? And Sergei has five, which is a very respectable number. Which puts him in fourth. Yeah, he's tied with Alleluia. Also interesting, Alleluia and Lock-On had nearly zero. We, we all gave uh, Alleluia his unanimous episode. Lock-On had zero votes going into episode 23. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, wow. And Alleluia only had those three going into the last episode that we gave him unanimously before pulling up, which I think more speaks to how important the last couple episodes are and how they really define this series or this first half of it. Why did they give the Prime Minister of Terubia a vote? I don't know why you gave half your people a vote, Tyler, but yes. Uh, <laughs> you seem to do more of like give your votes based on dartboard logic. Our uh, one vote wonders include the Prime Minister of Terubia, Lock-On's Haro, Oh, that one makes sense. Marina Ismail and Saji Crossroad. Didn't Louise? Oh, so and Louise. I'm sorry. Two? I'm sorry. I missed Louise. Lasse got two. Both from Tyler. Hey, he was pulling his weight. Hey, not bad. So did Tyler give everybody, all the one vote wonders their vote? No, I think I might have given Lock on Zaro the vote. Uh, and you also gave Louise the vote. 
Okay, I, 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 I think yep. that was the I think that was the episode where she lost her hand. I think so. Or that was that that hospital scene. I yeah. don't have notes on when they got votes. I, I was responsible for the Prime Minister Marina and Saji. Yeah. You had the you most know, different people you voted for. Actually, I think that was that episode. The, the hospital scene, I think I gave my vote to Louise and you gave yours to Saji. I would believe that, yeah. Akati Manikin sadly got no votes as well. Lichty didn't deserve any and did not get any. <laughs> Same with Kieran Vaxier, I suppose. Kati showed up fairly... I was going to say fairly late, but she shows up about midway through, but doesn't really do anything. I was going to say, I don't know that she has any MVP moments, legitimately. The closest is when she takes Colossar up on his offer to go out on a date, and she's like, don't you even think about this kind of thing? But at the same time, you have in that scene, Colossar being like, nope! I was going to say, I I think the major contender is actually when she- Silly dumbass. Yeah, when she saves Colossar- Oh, I forgot about that scene. Um, that's also a pretty good one. When she saves Colossar from Daryl. Um, I was just saying, Daryl and Howard, also no votes. Poor Danny Eifman, no votes. <laughs> no what? Billy. Did Billy get any no, votes? No Billy votes. He would be Graham's supporting character that's most likely to get a vote, I think. Sumeragi got a couple. She did. Sumeragi was in the running a lot. I think she just didn't actually manage to snag it. I feel like that's a couple of problems with a few of the characters, especially like Jeremy said with Soma and Sergei. It was always a matter of which one of these characters do we give this to? Also, no votes for Chumley. She also didn't really do anything. No votes for Brutler. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do we have any predictions for the second half? Starting with you, Tyler, because you know the least about it other than the stuff you spoiled. I have no idea. Uh, Goddamn Grandmaker's in a mask now. Uh, We didn't get any preview on Setsuna. I assume they're just going to do it again, but to try to dismantle the entire military. I don't really know what their endgame is at this point. Uh, Zach, anything you want to say? You know some stuff. I don't want to give an actual prediction because I know just enough to get myself into trouble. Apparently, I know of things occurring in the second half of the series from all over the second half, but I have absolutely no idea how those moments connect to each other. I'm looking forward to it. All right. With that said then, It's a Gundam will return in the Angel's second advent.